Hey guys, before we start this week's episode, I do want to give a trigger warning as some of the material in this episode may be sensitive to some. We are going to be discussing cancer in this episode as well as infertility. So if you find those subjects to be triggering, please move forward with caution. How long has this been going on for that I had a feeling something was wrong? What is growing inside of me? Where is it growing? You hear cancer, you think you're going to die, 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 die. We are back at it again with another episode of Period Sis. I'm your host, Mandy B. I am so excited that you guys continue to keep joining me here for these tales of womanhood. Um, this particular episode, I am so excited for... Um, I'm having a conversation during this episode with Liz, who is someone who literally battled cancer, um, and is still currently battling cancer, but defied the odds of science. I would say there is no explanation how she ended up having a chemo miracle and find out more in her journey and her story during this episode Again, I do want to thank all of you guys who have continued to support me. Again, the official box owner subscription box is launching, and I'm super excited to be sharing it with you guys. Thank y'all so much. Um, but again, Periodsis is just a, a an extension of that, and I love that you guys are joining me every Monday for these um, conversations once again. And so without further ado, we are going to get into this week. And listen, it's another one for us by us. Look at me shouting out FUBU. But nah, it's another tale of womanhood. Go ahead and sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. Welcome, guys, to another episode of Period Sis. I'm excited about this conversation only because this is one where, Liz, you are the first person to kind of reach out to me um, as someone that I didn't know. Of course, a lot of my friends have been a part of this journey with me and starting this new platform. Um, but today, guys, I am joined by Liz. Liz is the host of her own YouTube channel called Kicking Cancer with Liz. And the story today that I want you guys to sit and hear is kind of a, an interesting one and also goes back to why me having healthcare professionals on this show would not do justice to the real tales of womanhood and kind of what, you know, is brought about with that. So Liz, um, welcome and thank you. Hey. Hey. So I know your story, but of course, everyone listening for the first time does not. And so I want to start this story from you being diagnosed um, and that very first doctor's visit where you received the news. And if you can go into what that news was, what you were diagnosed with, and then let's go ahead and, and, and dig into that journey. Okay, so this was back in 2013. I remember it was September of 2013. I was trying to convince my mom actually to go to a follow-up visit to the doctor. And I was like, you know what? I'm young. I was 22 at the time. I'm going to go to the doctor and I'm going to get a checkup just to show you it's nothing scary, no big deal. So I go to the doctor and my doctor mm -hmm. says... Wait, one moment. Mm -hmm. So you going to the doctor... Was you going to just show your mom that there was nothing for her to be afraid of in going to get checked up? 
yes. Oh, oh, <laughs> Which is funny wow. how it turned out. <laughs> wow. Okay, carry on. <laughs> so I go and my doctor goes, oh, I feel a lump, but you're only 22. So it's probably a clogged milk duct. Don't worry about it. Um, You're young. You don't want to pay these insurance premiums just to get an ultrasound. I'm going to give you the script, but don't worry about getting it done unless you feel worse or you feel something. This is what the doctor told you? This is what my doctor told me. So I was like, okay, no problem. So my birthday comes, I'm out partying and I'm coughing and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have this horrible chest pain. Some, of course I'm young. So I'm like, whatever, I keep partying. A week goes by. I'm on vacation at home, not doing anything. And I'm like, let me go get checked out. So I go and fill the ultrasound and they're like, oh, you have dense breasts and we do see something, but you have dense breasts. So it could be dense breasts. That's what they, that's what they called it. That's what they called it. That's what they said that they saw. And I'm like, okay, so I don't think anything of it. And then I called the doctor back and I said, hey, I got that ultrasound done. This is what they told me. What now? And she's like, let me call you back. So she calls me back like maybe two hours later. And she said, hey, would you be okay going and getting a biopsy? I checked with your insurance. Usually at your age, insurance do not cover this. But you have really good insurance. I'm surprised you're not on your parents' insurance and you have your own. And they're going to pay for it. So better be safe than sorry. So I said, okay, cool. I go and get the biopsy done. Wait like four days. They call me and they're like, can you come in and get another one? So at okay, this point, can, can I I'm ask terrified. you at this point? Okay, that's where I was going. Are <laughs> you terrified. scared? At, you're terrified at this point because I'm like, these people kind of have you doing the runaround and keep saying, hey, well, can you go get another test? Can you get another test? Mind you, while all at the same time trying to tell you you have nothing to worry about. Yes. So that was what it was. The first, of course, the scan, I'm like, whatever. People have dense breasts. People have clogged milk duds. It's a thing. I Googled it, of course. It's a thing. The biopsy happens, but I'm still thinking like I'm young. Like I'm 20, I'm 23. I just turned 23. I'm young. So we do the biopsy. We do the first one. And then can you get a second one? At this point, I'm terrified. And I called my mom and I'm like, yeah, they want me to have another biopsy. And she's like, well, Maybe it's just normal testing. She's like, you know, they always try to build insurance companies. So I said, that's that has to be it. They just want the money. <laughs> okay. So we Which is a valid, valid. We think right. that all the we time. We think that. So I'm like, okay, so we do the second biopsy. And then three days later, I remember I was laying in bed with my boyfriend at the time. It's eight o'clock in the morning. My phone rings and it's the hospital. And she's like, hey, can you come in tomorrow at 8 a.m.? And I was like, no. What, why, why? Like, what's going on? Actually, I can. I'm laying up with my nigga right now. <laughs> right, like, I'm like, what do you want? <laughs> and she's like, are you, are you doing anything? I was like, I'm in bed. I'm like, ma'am, cause this is a different, this is a surgeon. I've never talked to this person in my life. Oh. So I'm like, ma'am, I don't even know you. Like, what is it? And she's like, I don't know how to tell you this, but you have cancer. And wait, they literally, wait, 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 wait. You got told this over the phone? Over the phone. Yeah. And, and I think it was because she could sense in my voice. Had she not told me what was going on, I wouldn't have gone to the appointment. Like, you know, we skip appointments. Like, we, that's what we do. Right. So I think she was trying to, like, put it like, you know, you have to come in. This isn't one of those things, like, you can blow off. You have cancer. You need to come in and discuss these results. So I'm like, okay. I hang up. And I turn to my boyfriend at the time. And I'm just like, yeah, that was like a doctor. Apparently, my biopsy showed that I have cancer. So he's shocked. 
And he was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I was like, you know, um, if you want to hop in the shower, I know you have to go to work. So go ahead. So he's like, I'll call out. I was like, no, 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 don't call out. I'm fine. He's like, okay, if you say so. Wait, you're, and this was your immediate like response? You weren't like heartbroken or like nothing? Like you were just like, okay, well, I have cancer. You still got to go to work. Yeah, because I, I was I was definitely in shock at that moment. I was just like, okay. I'm going to keep it normal. So I tell him, you know, go ahead and go to work. He takes a shower. And then I called my job because I was supposed to work. And I was like, hey, I'm not feeling good. And I have to go to the doctor tomorrow. So I'm not coming in for my shift today. And I'm not coming in tomorrow either. So my manager is like, okay. Because I hadn't told anybody up to this point that I had gotten the biopsies done. Other than like my mom and mom. my roommate. So... He's like, okay, cool. I guess I'll see you later on. I said, okay, no problem. Then I called my mom. And as soon as she answered the phone, I bust out crying. Um, <laughs> that was when it hit me. She answered the phone. And just like always, she's like, hey, Lisi. And I'm like, mommy. And then I just bust out crying. And she was like, I'm leaving work. I'll meet you at your house. Because she knows me. Right. For me to react that way, she knew the news couldn't be good. So she's like, I'm leaving. I'll meet you at your house. I said, okay, no problem. Hold on, my computer on. So then I'm thinking, okay, my mom is on her way. I decide I'm going to go upstairs. So my roommate lived upstairs. I go upstairs. I climb into bed with my roommate who was pregnant and I just bust out crying and I'm sobbing. And she's holding me. And I'm just like, I have cancer. <laughs> like, I was in such a state of disbelief. I was just like, I kept crying. Like, I'm just like, I have oh cancer. I have cancer. I'm 23 years old and I have cancer. I was like, what do I do? do like, am I dying? And she's like trying to comfort me. And she's just like, I don't know. She's like, I don't know what to tell you. And I'm like, just hold me. So she's holding me crying. My mom gets to my house. She comes upstairs into my roommate's bed. So now the three of us are in the bed just crying. <laughs> Oh, oh my god! Crying, and my roommate, she's like my best friend. It's like my sister. So my mom is like, "It's crazy that I have one daughter about to have a baby, and my other daughter has cancer." Like, so we can I can I ask you mm-hmm. at this point, was cancer something that you battled with at all in your family? Like, were you aware of what cancer meant? Were you aware of the process? Was that something that was genetically? passed down you believe like you know was this just something all new to you it was all new so my grandmother had ovarian cyst and and I didn't know this at the time that she had died from ovarian cancer I didn't know this when I got diagnosed my mom and me never had this conversation about how her mother died I died when I was younger so it was just a shock I was like how how does this happen? And this was around the time when I was, I had, I was on the depot shot and you know how you read the news stories about if there being a correlation between depot and cancer. I was like, did I do this to myself? Like girl, was, at oh, one point your plate yogurt was the cause of cancer. Exactly. I mean, literally I, and I remember, yeah, around that time, around maybe 2010 to 2013, there was just like a whole bunch of literally everything led to cancer. And I was just like, well, Jesus. Yeah, And those are the types of thoughts. Like, I'm like, I can't believe I did this to myself. Like I was so busy thinking about not getting pregnant and not having a baby that I gave myself cancer. Like what I really, I definitely blamed myself internally. I just, it was my fault because I was at the time I was like, my mom doesn't have it. Nobody in my family that I knew of had it. 
I did this to myself. Like, this is crazy. So we got it together after like an hour of just like sobbing. My mom was like, you know what? No matter what, we're going to get you the best of the best. You know, I have savings. If we have to go out, fly to different places. I'm originally from Cuba. And she was like, if we have to go home to Cuba to find treatment, that's what we will figure it out. So I was like, okay, we're going to figure it out. And she's like, that's it. We're going to figure it out. Get, get up, get dressed, take a shower. Let's go get something to eat. So we left, we go get food. And then she dropped me off at home. And the rest of the evening, didn't we didn't speak about it. Me and my roommate didn't speak about it. That was it. So the next day, my mom picks me up at my house. We go to the hospital over there at 8 a.m. And we sit down and my surgeon, my breast surgeon, she pulls up my images and she's like, okay, when you were at your doctor's office in September, they felt one lump. On your images, there were really two lumps. The reason we asked you to come back in to get the second biopsy is because you have a third lump in your lymph nodes. Wow. So I'm like, what is what does this mean? And she was like, you know, just from imaging, you're definitely at stage two. I said, okay, so now what do we do? Right. Is that something that you even knew? Like, so that's something, I guess, if you're saying that you weren't familiar with cancer, do you know the differences of the severity at this point between stage one, two, three, and four? Nope. I had no idea. I didn't know what made one stage different from the other. I didn't know how she staged it. I just knew that I felt like if there are only four stages and I'm at stage two, I'm halfway. That's halfway. Right. <laughs> like, right. So I'm like, what do we, I was like, you know, what am I like? Of course, my first question, I was like, am I dying? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm like, am I dying? And she was like, no, you're not dying. And I was like, well, is this like an aggressive cancer? Like, what else can you tell me? And she's like, I really can't tell you much more until we take out the lump and we do um, pathology report on it. So I said, okay, so what are my options? And she's like, you know, your one option, you can get a lumpectomy. That's when they just take out the lump. Okay. Um, But they have to keep taking out until they get clean margins around the lump. So like they kind of go in and because I already had three lumps, they would have had to get clean margins around all three lumps. So my breast could have came out uh, all types of way. Right. Um, Another option was to start radiation and see if we can shrink the lumps. Okay. And then the third option, which is what I elected, was a mastectomy, where they just take out the entire breast. So, oh, wow. So she's like, um, she's like, what do you want to do? So I'm like, you know what? Can I take out both of them? And she's like, what do you mean? And I was like, I'm 23 with three lumps in one breast. This is my left breast. Ma'am, I don't want this to come back on my right side. I'm scared. Right. And she was like, we can do whatever you want to do. And I was like, okay, that's what I want to do. I want to get a double mastectomy. And I, you know, this is what I care about. This is my life. But I also want to make sure I don't want to look deformed. Like when I thought of cancer, I was like, these are these women who have no breasts, who have these flat chests. Like I wear low cut things. I have bathing suits. I'm still vain at that age. Right. Of course. That's what you're thinking about. I need to look cute on spring break. Like, you know, can you make, can you make my titties look still good? Still good. Like give me something. Right. So she's like, she's like, listen, she's like, in this same building, we have the best plastic surgeon you're going to find in the area. You can actually go right downstairs to him. She's like, how soon would you like to have the surgery? And I'm like, I need to have surgery as soon as possible because clearly my cancer, I feel like my cancer is aggressive. I feel like it's spreading. 
and I I don't want this in my body. This just has to be out. Right. So she's like, no problem. We'll schedule surgery four weeks from today. I said, great. So that was going to be December 12th. So that same day, me and my mom walk out the office and they sent us across the hall for me to have my first mammogram of my life and actually my last mammogram of my life since I was getting my boobs removed. Wow. So they did a mammogram. Um, Then I went downstairs and I met with the plastic surgeon. And my plastic surgeon, he's like, okay, come here, let's take pictures. And then he looks at me. And at the time I only had an A cup and he was like, if you could have the perfect breast, what would you want? And I'm like, I want nice full D's. I want them to be perky. I girl, want you wanted D's. I wanted A's to D's, girl. You should have just said C's. These D's <laughs> ain't no joke. <laughs> that was what I wanted. I said, I want these D's. Um, and he was like, you have to think about the fact that if you ever have children, your breasts aren't going to grow. If you ever gain weight, your breasts are not going to grow. So you want to make sure you have a size that you're comfortable with for the long run. Right. So I'm like, I'm going to be comfortable with a D. I think with a size D, I will be comfortable <laughs> forever. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to want to go bigger. So he's like telling me, he's like, okay, in order to get a D from what you currently have, when we remove your breast, I will then come in and put in expanders. So expanders are how they build more skin kind of. How they build space for the actual breast implant. Expanders are made out of this thick plastic and it has this little like metal knob on it that they use to refill it with liquid. (laughs) So they're uncomfortable. They are extremely uncomfortable. And he tells me, he's like, you're going to have to have the expanders in for a while because you know, you have to go through treatments. Your skin has to heal before I can then go in and put in your permanent implants. So I'm like, no problem. I'm super excited. I mean, this is like the best news in this whole thing that at least I have the breast that I I wanted. Right. (laughs) So then I leave him and I have to go down another level now to meet with my oncologist. Mind you, this is all the same day, the second day after I've just been diagnosed. And I go down to my oncologist and he's telling me like- An oncologist, girl, you know, you know, I don't know oh, really the medical stuff. You're fine. So I know what a plastic surgeon is. Um, So what is an oncologist? Oncologist is who controls your chemo medication. Okay. So this is for the cancer treatment. This is for the cancer treatment. Itself. Got you. Okay. So he tells me, he's like, okay, based on your biopsy reports and your age and your overall health, I've decided you need to go through 24 rounds of chemo. So I'm like, and each each round, each round is what? Like, is that a is that months? Is, is each it, round in a month or like, so what does that mean? When they say rounds, it's how many times they're going to give you the medicine. Okay. So when he tells me that, I'm like, excuse me, like 24 rounds. I'm like, what? And I didn't know this. So when he said 24 rounds, I'm like, like 24 pills. Like, what are you saying? And right. He's like, no, you're going to have to come here to the chemotherapy lab and you're going to have to get hooked up to an IV drip 24 times. And I'm like, that sounds like it's a lot of medicine. He's like, oh, it is. I'm treating this extremely aggressively because you're 23 years old. I was like, okay, so what does that mean? Like, so I'm like, okay, so I do, I do this surgery. I get my breast removed. I do the 24 rounds. I get my reconstruction surgery and get my permanent implants. And then I'm, I'm good. And he's like, well, it's more complicated than that. And I said, what, what do you mean? And he's like, your 24 rounds are going to put you into a medical menopause. Okay. And a medical menopause, like, did he explain to to you what that was? 
Yeah, so then he goes, I'm like, what does that mean? I was like, you know, like, because my mom, this is my mom. I was like, you mean like hot flashes, hair thinning, weight gain. And no he's like, period. Like, no right, period. we have the right. idea. <laughs> like, is that what we're saying? And he's like, he's like, yes. And I'm like, oh, but I'll come back. And he's like, no. Once you go through menopause, you don't come back. Excuse me? Yeah, right. So that's my saying. So, you, so you're, you're getting this information to where you're being told that you know, you're going to be medically kind of put into, have a medical menopause. You're going to go through the hot flashes. You're not going to have a period, but more so what as women we deem menopause to include is also infertility and no longer being able to have a baby. Yes. And so you're told this at 23. At 23. And I'm like, what if, and I mean, like my whole world was over. Like I, I, that was the first time I cried that day. So I'm in his office crying and I'm like, what are, what are my options? And he's like, well, um, let me go talk to our insurance coordinator, see what your insurance will cover as far as egg freezing and all of that. I said, okay, no problem. So he leaves the room and I'm crying to my mom and my mom is like, I, she was like, do you want children? I'm like, I don't know. I never thought I'd have to make this decision. And at not 23. at 23. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, we're both, we're both the same age now. We're both 29. And I mean, at 29 right now, I still don't know if I want children. So that idea at 23, of course, you know, it's up in the air, girl. We, I ain't even, I don't even like a guy. Can I like a guy before I decide if I want to have a baby? Yes. So <laughs> was like, he comes back in and he tells me your insurance will not cover freezing eggs. They will cover freezing embryos. So embryos are fertilized eggs. Right. So he's like, do you have someone in your life who you would freeze embryos with? And I'm like, I have a boyfriend. We've been together a couple of months. All right. All right. Yeah. I don't know if that's the question you asked somebody a couple months in. Exactly. So <laughs> he he's like, well, you know, you really don't have to make a decision until after your surgery. So you do have a couple of weeks to think about what you want to do. So I'm like, okay. And he's like, call me. So like the oncologist like, call me, let me know what you decide to do. So I'm like, okay. So we leave that office. And my last stop that day was to go down another level and speak to radiology about radiation. She tells me that radiation is going to burn my skin. Uh, <sighs> because I have melanin in my skin and I'm brown it looks a little bit worse on brown skin. And she, this is coming from a black doctor. So she's letting me know, like, listen. Wow. Your skin is going to look bad. Um, Your chance, she's like, if we do your radiation, the chances of reoccurrence are going to drop from 10% to 7%. So for a 3% difference, do you think it's worth it? And I was like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Thank you for telling me this. Can because I ask you, your mm-hmm. first doctor that you saw who, who told you you didn't have anything to worry about, Um, we've, there's a constant conversation regarding just the malpractice that is experienced specifically to black women um, and women of color. Do you think that maybe that's why in the beginning it was taken less, you know, less serious? Have you ever thought about um, that? I did. And the thing is, so she was the first doctor. She was actually my primary care doctor. And I still continue to go to her even after my diagnosis Okay. Um, I think her thing wasn't so much because, because she's also black. So I don't think okay. it was because I was black. I think her concern was more so the financial implications of everything. Mm-hmm. 
The reason we're seeing a lot of disparities are primarily around systemic issues around affordable access to health care insurance. Black women have a cultural distrust of the medical profession. And then generally there are issues such as like um, black women are less likely to follow up to their mammogram visit. So those, in addition to biologically different tumors, are kind of driving the disparate outcomes when it comes to survival. Because of me being so young and having that cancer diagnosis, I think she knew that financially, like, I would be ruined (laughs) with a positive uh, cancer diagnosis. Right. And I really think she wanted to save me from it. Um, she couldn't, obviously, but obviously, right. Um, but I really think that that was more so what it was. She was looking at like my age, and she's like, you know, there's no point. I know that this girl is out here paying student loans. There's no point in me having her pay for all this testing for nothing to happen when realistically, at her age, you know, she does. It's not going to be positive. And I mean, this is everybody. Like when I tell my story, everyone, the first thing they say is, "But you're so young," and I'm like, "Right, yeah. <laughs> I know." <laughs> It sucks. So um, you you decide at this point then to go through which course and how do you react to the news that, okay, I also may never conceive um, or have a child? So at this age, so at this point, um, I left after that. I called my insurance. They told me out of pocket, if I wanted to just freeze eggs as an unmarried woman, it was going to be $20,000. Excuse me. <laughs> Plus $2,000 a year to keep them frozen because you have to pay for like the maintenance, I guess. Because you were unmarried? Well, I was unmarried. And okay. Yeah. And this is 2013. This is like. Yes. Re- like, 2013. <laughs> okay. All right. So I looked at so- my mom and my mom goes, you know, it's not the $20,000. It's the $2,000 a year maintenance that's going to break you because. What if you decide to never do it? Now we've wasted forty thousand dollars, twenty thousand to get it done, and then the maintenance over the next 10, 20 years, and you may decide to never use these eggs, Lissandra. Okay. I was, I was like, okay. I said, okay, mom. I said, you're right. I was like, you know what? There's always adoption. And um yes. like I mentioned, my best friend was pregnant at this time. So she's like, I, I can obviously get pregnant and carry kids if you can't have kids. You can use my womb. Like, <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll figure okay, it out. Okay. So you already had a, a, a surrogate waiting for you Wait, and offering, right. <laughs> offering her womb. So I was okay, like, so, okay. So, I so you go through therapy. I want it. Or you, what yeah, is I it called? Therapy? Yeah. Chemotherapy. Chemo okay. Yeah. I chose to go ahead and do the chemotherapy. And two rounds in. So two rounds out of the 24, my period stops. So, of course, in addition to the hair falling out and all that that happened during the first round, my period stopped. I started my period when I was nine years old. This was the first time in my life I did not have a period. Wow. So I'm like, okay. So it just stopped. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess, you know, we can stop using condoms because (laughs) I can't get pregnant. So me and my boyfriend, we weren't using condoms. So, you know, I keep going through these rounds. We're still sexually active. Nothing is happening. Me and him end up breaking up. I mean, it's a lot of pressure at the time having a relationship. Of course cancer work life we just we broke up for like normal reasons not even like cancer related okay and i'm still going through my rounds everything is going on and i finished my rounds in august of 2014 and i have my reconstruction surgery september comes october comes still no period so my oncologist was like oh yeah that's normal your period isn't going to come back you went through menopause 
So I'm like, okay. So I get into a new relationship. Same thing. I tell the man I'm with, I'm like, listen, I can't get pregnant. I'm also allergic to latex because we were using condoms and they were the expensive non-latex kind. Right. The um the lambskin ones. The lambskin ones. Yeah. So I'm like, we don't have to worry about it. If we both go get tested, we don't have to use condoms. I'm not going to get pregnant because I don't get period. So he's like, oh, okay. We get tested. Everything's fine. We, I mean, super reckless, like having sex <laughs> all the time. Nobody's, nobody's thinking about conscious. Nobody's pulling out. We're just like, hey, we can't get pregnant, you know? And it's fun at that age. Like when you're 24 years old, you're like, oh my gosh, this is great. I don't, I was on birth control for a long time because I didn't want to get pregnant. So I'm like, right. Hey. And now you're like, oh, give me all the raw dick, baby. Like, all of it, all of it. <laughs> so we keep doing, we keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And then still no period. I have had zero previous symptoms, no cramping, nothing. I'm still going to my oncologist. My oncologist is like, yeah, you know, whatever. Live your life, girl. Live your life. Okay. And then March comes around and obviously we're still sleeping together and I start feeling funny. Like, I'm like, whatever. And then April, I'm at a happy hour and I just kept throwing up. And I'm like, I can't be pregnant though. I haven't had a period. So I know I haven't ovulated. Right. And my friends are like, but you're throwing up everything. Like you're throwing up food, you're throwing up drinks. And I'm like, I must have a stomach bug. So I go home that night. I'm still with my roommate and I go home that night and I'm like, girl, let me just get a pregnancy test. Like, I know it's going to be negative. I don't know why I'm playing with my own emotions, but let me just go get it, get a pregnancy test. So I take pee on the little stick. It's the one with the lines and I'm looking at it and I'm like, girl, you look at it because you've had a positive one. She looks at it and she goes, "Um, I think it's positive. I said, no, 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 it can't be. (laughs) (laughs) She said, "Uh, I think it's positive. (laughs) I, I was like, no, sis. Mm-mm. So we go back to the pharmacy and then we get like eight more and we get the kind with the lines. We get the kind that say that's pregnant, 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 not pregnant. We get the ones that tell you how many weeks you are. If you are pregnant, we got all of them. So I take maybe half of them and all of them are coming back positive. And I say, you know what? You're supposed to use the first P of the day. This isn't right. Oh God, wait, wait. Now you thought you had all these p- positive pregnancy tests because it wasn't the first P of the day, girl. Because I was... <laughs> I was told I was infertile and I hadn't had periods. I was scared. And the thing is, I didn't want to hype myself up because of how heartbroken I was when I was told I was going to be infertile. I I mean, but but in your mind then, it wasn't the first piss. But what did you think could give you all these positive results without it being pregnancy? (laughs) I'm not going to lie to you. I thought that my cancer was back. I thought that it was doing something to my hormone levels. Oh my! <laughs> that- okay, wait. Because at this point, you you had beaten cancer, correct? Yes. At this point, I had beaten cancer. I was in remission. I, okay. I was like, my cancer is back. My hormone levels are high. And that's why I'm getting these positive <laughs> pregnancy tests. So... And then I called, I called my boyfriend and I'm like, Hey, um, are you, Oh, I know he just thought she was bullshit. Oh, he did. He was, I was like, are you at work? He's like, yeah. I was like, um, I took pregnancy tests and it's positive. And he's like, you can't get pregnant. I was like, I know. Well, he's like, and we work together. He's my coworker. He's like, are you serious? I said, yeah. And now he he was like, I'm gonna call you back. I said, all right. Our, his manager calls my phone and she's like, is everything okay? Because he's like sitting on the floor, just staring at the wall. And I was like, nah, I think we're going through something. And I was like, I'm gonna call you back. So I hang up, call my mom, bust out crying again. So my mom is like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I got these positive pregnancy tests. And like, I can't be pregnant. And she's like, why not? You're a grown woman. Clearly you was doing grown things. What's wrong? And I'm like, mom, 
it's impossible. It's like, it's a medical. Right. Medically. Medically impossible. So she's like, calm down. I'll see you in the morning. So of course, the next day I set my alarm for 6 a.m. I collected that first pee, ran all those pregnancy (laughs) tests again. (laughs) Everything is positive. So, and then I don't know how advanced they are now, but back in 2013, when I took the one that showed me, it showed me I was more than three weeks pregnant. Like it shows you how many. So I was like, what? No, no, no. So I call my OBGYN and she <laughs> when she had always been there. This has my, been my OBGYN since I was a kid. Right. So I call her and I was like, tell me why. My part, I got positive pregnancy tests. And she's like, what? I'm like, yeah, girl. And she's like, you lying. I'm like, I, like this is like my, we're having like a homegirl style conversation at this point. And I'm like, girl. It's positive. And she's like, no. She's like, I'm calling it right now to the radiology place. You need to go get an ultrasound right now. Like right now. Immediately. Absolutely. Immediately. So I go get it. And um, it was a transvaginal ultrasound. They do it. And they're like, yeah, you're pregnant. So I'm like, ain't this about it? (laughs) So I'm like, OMG. So I'm like, okay. Finally, I go to like my first visit and it said advanced fetal care. So because I had cancer, my pregnancy right. was automatically high risk. High risk, of course. So we I go to advanced fetal care and me and the dad go and like we're sitting there and the doctor comes in and he's like, yeah, so you're 13 weeks. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And he's like, yeah, but you weren't getting periods. I was like, correct. So this is like a miracle. And they're like, yeah, but you also just finished all your cancer treatments less than a year ago. I said, right. And they're like, so, you know, a lot of pregnancies end in the first trimester. And I'm like, so what are you telling me? Oh, wait. So th- that's literally how he tells you, like, okay, you already know it's high risk. And he's pretty much just telling you not to get excited. Yes. Not to get attached. Oh. That was the vibe. Like, that's you, trash. you weren't right. You weren't having periods. You went through chemo on these, these same eggs, you know. If I were you, I wouldn't get attached. I don't want I don't want you to be heartbroken. So I was like, okay, so what are we gonna do? And they're like, we're gonna monitor you every three weeks, but you know, like if I, I wouldn't tell everybody. I said, okay. Oh. So I I really like I left that appointment really heartbroken. But on the same note, I felt like, okay, this isn't a surprise because I shouldn't be pregnant. So right. I'm gonna take it one day at a time. So you know, it first se- first trimester comes and goes, and like it's the second trimester, and I'm still pregnant. My appointments are still going okay. I'm only four eleven, so they were like, "She's small," but I'm like, "I'm small," so okay. Um, I just need y'all to know she's four eleven <laughs> with some D breasts, girl. Now, I really, now I'm really judging. No, <laughs> so okay, so so you're in your third trimester now. Yes. So my third trimester, I'm like, okay, I'm pregnant. Like I'm pregnant. Like people are starting to see that I'm, cause I was hiding the pregnancy at this. I'm wearing okay. like, oversized t-shirts. Nobody, if you weren't in my circle, you didn't know I was pregnant. Right. So I'm like, you know what? I'm announcing it to the world because other women need to know this happens. That I, mean, I have this miracle. Right. I have this miracle. Even if my baby ends up not being viable, I was able to get pregnant naturally on accident. I need women to know that this happens. I don't, and people need to know this is a miracle from God. Like it's happening. So I decided to announce it on Instagram. 
everyone is like congratulating me. Everyone's super happy. Even people like who I hadn't talked to in years, they were in my DMs and they were like, girl, like congratulate. Cause I was really public with the infertility. With, so with, and the cancer, right. And the cancer. So they were like, girl, this is amazing. Like, you know, I'm, I'm keeping you lifted in prayer. Like, I hope everything is okay. Da, 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 da. I'm like, thank you. Like, you know, this outreach of love that I felt like, okay, if I end up losing the baby, it's okay. It's okay. I still wasn't super attached to, I'm going to be a mother. Like it hadn't really hit yet. Um, We decide, okay, we're going to have, we're going to go ahead and have the baby shower. Cause I hadn't had a baby shower either. Like I was refusing to get things for my baby. Right. I was like, I can't deal with this level of heartbreak. I just can't. So finally I'm like, you know what? We need to have the baby shower because I don't have anything for my child. Uh, we got all like people were mailing us stuff. We had all this stuff for her. And I'm like, all right, we're we're having a baby. Like we're we're doing this. And the and 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 kind of like the rainbow at the end of it all is you do end up conceiving like having the baby. Yes. So correct. Yes, I yes, I did have my baby. She's about to turn five this December. So she's here. Oh, and no health complications or or anything. Um, so when she was born. I had to be induced. So they okay. ended up inducing me um, two weeks early, actually, uh, because they said that my ambiotic fluid was low. Okay. And they and I'm like, you know what? It's okay. Rather out than in, because I know my body has been through so much. I don't, you know, I don't know how long chemotherapy drugs stay in your system. And me and this child are sharing a bloodstream. For sure. Right. Yeah, better out than in. So I ended up being induced early. And okay. I, you know, was able to push her out. Everything's fine. When I push her out, though, she's not making any noise at all. Like, silence. It's like silence. Oh, no. But her eyes are open, and she's just, like, blinking. And I'm like, okay, what's what's going on? So, like, they, they're like, well, she has a heartbeat, and she's inhaling. She's just not making any noise. So they did, like, this little heel stick to get blood. Nothing. Like, silence. Everyone in the room is quiet. It's silence in the room. And I'm like, something's wrong with my baby. Oh, no. So... They bring her to me and I have like the sweetest picture. She's like looking at me and I'm like staring at her. I'm crying and she's just staring at me. And I'm just like, what does this mean? So the pediatrician of that night, so I had her at 10 o'clock at night. She comes in the room and she's like, usually when they don't make noises like this, it's because they're deaf. So she may be deaf and she can't hear anything, which is why she's not making noises. Um, And it may also be something else going on since she didn't respond to pain when we stuck her heel. So I was like, okay, well... I'm, she's here. I don't care. She's, she's here, deaf. right? She can be deaf, blind, mute. I don't care. My baby is here. She's has ten fingers, ten toes. She's breathing. Her heart is fine. Whatever. I just have a deaf baby. So I'm like, I'm like, okay, we we can deal with this. This is okay. Right. So they're like, we're gonna take her to the NICU because they did induce me two weeks early. So there's like, you know, we need to make sure we keep an eye on her, especially if this is what's going on. We're gonna take her to the NICU. We're gonna take you to your room, and we'll see you in the morning. So I'm like, okay. So I'm waiting to go to my room and I get a phone call and I hear this baby wiggling in the background. And as soon as I heard it, I was like, that's my baby, isn't it? (laughs) And they were like, ma'am, we're going to bring your daughter back to you because she's waking up everybody in the NICU screaming to the top of her lungs. We don't know where this came from. But oh my gosh, she's not deaf like this. Whatever she is, it ain't that. So I was like, oh my god. So they brought her back to me, and of course, as soon as I got her back, she was super quiet again. I'm like, she just wants her mommy. Like I'm a mommy. <laughs> I'm a mommy, and my baby just wants me. Like this is a thing. Uh so yeah. So like, and she's normal. She's 
super smart for her age, a little bit too smart for her age. Like, you th- aren't they? Listen, <laughs> listen. Sometimes that's a gift and a curse. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I know I wasn't the easiest with my mom. So, so this literally is is a miracle, and it's it's crazy because again, there's no doctor that can explain even i mean were you given an explanation actually because clearly they were all wrong in the beginning so did anyone try to come and say oh well we left this out and this is why this happened were you given that at all nope my oncologist came back to me and he's like we're not we're not gonna question (laughs) we're not gonna question this he was like medically um i was on there's a cancer pill called tamoxifen Okay. Upon further research, I learned that in Europe, tamoxifen is used as a fertility drug or they're testing it as a fertility drug. Oh, wow. It's quite possible that... Maybe based on your experience, girl. Shit. Right. I mean, (laughs) and since my diagnosis, I've met other young survivors who have conceived on tamoxifen. So um, I'm thinking the tamoxifen may have released an egg because I wasn't having periods. So it definitely wasn't... I wasn't ovulating as far as I knew and I'm pretty in touch with my body. So right. um, before my treatment and everything, I used to track, I like my period was like clockwork. I used to track it on an app. So based on my due date and that app, it's quite possible that I did ovulate on time actually. And that was when I conceived because based on everything that they predicted, had I not gone through cancer and conceived on that ovulation cycle, my daughter would still have the same due date. So now I know. So anyone listening to this before we get out, I normally like my guests to leave um, kind of just a, a bit of advice or a bit of hope for anyone experiencing this. And I mean, you went through the whole process. Is there anything that you wish someone would have told you in the very beginning of this that maybe would have helped you that you want to pass along to anyone else maybe experiencing this? I want to say advocate for yourself. So part of me and where, how I got to where I am is really just advocating and telling my doctors, like, I I get what you're saying. I understand that there are studies and statistics, but I'm going to do whatever I want to do. If it was up to my doctors, my daughter wouldn't be here because they told, they advised terminating the pregnancy because of what was happening and because of my medical history and getting pregnant with no periods and all of that. And I just felt like, no, I'm, I'm not doing it. So definitely advocate for yourself. You know, your body better than anybody else, you know, with cancer. Like I said, my doctor was telling me with the first diagnosis that she didn't think it was anything. And I had to be proactive to be like, I'm gonna go ahead and fill the script, ma'am. And I'll just deal with it any consequences on the back end. And my other piece of advice is get a community. At that time, I didn't have a community. I didn't have anybody to reach mm. out to in my age group. It was just older women who really couldn't relate. Whereas now, um, and if you go to my YouTube, you'll learn this. I now have stage four breast cancer. So I'm metastatic. I'm always going to have breast cancer. And in this community, there are other women my age who are like, oh yeah, I was told the same thing, but then I had my baby or I was told this, but this is like the loophole to actually freezing your eggs. This is what you have to tell them where I didn't know that. Right, right. And see, I I love that you've created that. Guys, if you guys are interested, um, it's Kicking Cancer with a K with Liz on YouTube. I am going to put the link in the description of this episode. Liz, honestly, like, 
not only thank you so much for reaching out and, and, and sharing your story, but just being able to say it with kind of just such a light in your voice. Um, I mean, going through that, I couldn't imagine it. Um, and I know that anyone listening to this definitely will find hope if this is something they've experienced or maybe they know someone who has. Um, also, I do want to talk to you too. Maybe you can join me. Um, I started a Patreon and the community that you mentioned is kind of something I want to build with this period, this platform. Um, and so maybe I can help also help you with building your community, with bringing people to have this conversation and you answering questions and, you know, people sharing their stories. So I just want to thank you, Liz. This was, this was amazing. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me on. Thank you. And guys, once again, um, that is kicking cancer with a K on YouTube. I will be putting that in the description of this episode. Please stay tuned for stats and facts following this episode. And again, Liz, thank you. So I truly hope that you guys enjoyed this week's conversation. As always, I wanted to leave you guys with a few stats and facts um, specifically pertaining to breast cancer. Um, um, and for those of you who do, who do not know, October is actually Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Um, so I would be interested in doing another one of these conversations if any of you would like to share your story. Um, I do want to let y'all know that about one in eight U.S. women, that's about 12%, will develop invasive breast cancer over the course of their lifetime. And in 2020, an estimated 276,480 new cases of invasive breast cancer are expected to be diagnosed in women in the U.S. Um, and that's along with another almost 50,000 cases of non-invasive breast cancer. Um, in this episode, we did talk about how chemotherapy and the radiation of it can um, cause early menopause, but also affect your ovaries. And so there is potential to become infertile when going through the chemotherapy treatment. However, even in listening to this episode, you guys see like there's so many things that even science can't answer. Um, the doctors had no answer as to how um, Liz was able to conceive and, 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 you know, give birth to a healthy, a healthy little one. So again, these stories I love to have because so many women, when we get the bad news of something, I mean, shit, even as simple as going to the bathroom and pissing and it burns or getting a UTI or yeast infection, like, and those are so small compared to breast cancer, but anything that kind of throws our body out of whack, we literally, if you get on Google, you see, we could die just from, any, you know, any type of symptoms. So I just love to just to hear these stories of triumph and, and defying the odds. I loved it. So I appreciate Liz for joining me this week. Um, also, guys, as you know, I do have a Patreon account set up where this week, finally, I am going ahead and starting the after flow show. I was going to start it last week, but it kind of got a little hectic um, with the new announcement going on over at Horrible Decisions. But I am starting an Afterflow show. So it is a community and live Zoom call where we can drink our wine and talk about all things womanhood. Um, so if you guys want to not only support the subscription box portion of this brand by becoming a patron, you can also get bonus content and become a part of that community. So go ahead on over to patreon.com backslash official box owner. Also, guys, officialboxowner.com. Join the mailing list, sign up for the newsletter, and be the first to 
Get notified when these subscription boxes are launching. There is only a limited supply. I'm so excited to be kind of bringing a piece of me into your home, but also introducing you to all of these dope brands. So just a little backdrop on what you guys can expect from the official box owner subscription box. It is going to hold feminine hygiene products, sexual wellness products, and just products focused on liberating you as a woman, making your your, your box smell and feel great, um, and also giving you some things to try in the bedroom with your partners. So I'm super excited to be to be bringing this to you guys, and I truly hope that you guys support me. This has kind of been my pandemic quarantine baby, and I've been working on it extremely hard. So again, please, please, please go and sign up. It's literally just your email. I'm not taking any dollars from you up front, but for the subscription box, it will, will come at a cost, but you'll be notified as soon as that is launched. Um, and I'm just, again, super excited. So once again, guys, thank you for joining me with another tale of womanhood. Official box owner presents period sis. I'm your host, Mandy B. And I just want to thank you guys again until next time, until next week. Have a good one. Bye. 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 take changes in your breasts seriously because sometimes we're quick to dismiss them as being hormonal but seeing a testimony from me or others women like me really highlights the fact that there's an issue that can happen to anyone. anyone, anyone, anyone.